much for joining us today on episode number 207 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking all about recovery and the importance of it and all of the devices and apps that you might use to track it. We're going to talk about those plus just the idea of listening to your body and do you really know how much recovery you need in order for you to achieve your goals. This is the Real Life Runners podcast and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so it is recovery month inside of the Real Life Runners training team. We are talking all about recovery. We've got a sleep challenge going on. We've got all sorts of awesome information that we're talking about inside the Real Life Runners training team this month. So we wanted to do a podcast to share with all of our listeners and all of our community just how important recovery was, what you need to know about recovery, how to get more recovery, make sure that you're getting the right amount for your goals and all of that good stuff. Right, so we're, we're bringing a huge amount of enthusiasm to uh, sleeping. Let's just go take a nap instead. <laughs> right? I'm ready. I'm ready. I am. I could use a nap today, but... Instead, we are here to record. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> make sure that we pass the message on that recovery is super important. And mm-hmm. and if you're not taking a nap now, you're going to come up with recovery at some point. Also, it's not like you're right. just going to push back recovery infinitely because well, that just doesn't work. That definitely does not work. So for those of you that may be familiar with our story, you may or may not be right. So if this is your first time listening to your podcast, our podcast, thank you, welcome. We're super excited that you're here. Um, if you find this podcast helpful, please feel free to share it with all of your friends. But recovery became a, a critical part of what Kevin and I have been focusing on over the last four years. Right. I mean, the recovery, the the part of the inspiration behind the, the company, I mean, there's your background of working as a physical therapist, but there's my background of training myself literally into the ground and having a series of unexplained medical seizures. Like the doctors couldn't come up with an answer, whatever the tests were they were throwing at me, they couldn't come up with a reasoning behind it. Right. So with with all the tests being normal, we basically took a huge look at our health, our lifestyle, the way that we were living. And we thought we were super healthy at the time. You know, like we were eating organic, we were eating non-processed foods, we were exercising all the time. Kevin was winning marathons and half marathons. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had medals around my neck and our grocery bill was more expensive than it had been the year before. <laughs> so we were clearly doing the things. Clearly we were healthy. Right. But what we weren't doing is looking at our health as a whole. And what we really narrowed it down to was sleep and recovery. And the way that Kevin was training at that time was very um, lacking in recovery, we shall say. Yeah. You know, the whole idea of burning the candle at both ends, I just took the candle and I used it to go run at like four o'clock in the morning. That's what I was using the candle for. Yeah, just to light your path, (laughs) right? I mean, staying up till midnight and then waking up at four or five to go run 15 miles and then go to work at a full-time job and then come home and try to be an attentive dad and husband and all that. Like, there was a lot of things going on at, on your plate at that time. There was a lot going on, which then led to periodically like sleeping through an alarm, which is a good sign that you're not getting enough recovery. Like how often do you sleep right through the alarm? Like if that's happening three to four times a week, you're not sleeping enough. You're not recovering enough. 
you know, don't get me wrong, like alarm clocks are useful. In an ideal world, we all just wake up and our body naturally wakes us up as it gets a little bit lighter outside, but there's schedules involved and sometimes we have to get up and we have to use an alarm clock for it. But your body's going to adapt to that rhythm. If you always need the alarm clock and it goes off and your first thought is, no, please, not yet, you might not be getting enough sleep on a, on a global scale. Exactly. And so this is one of the reasons why sleep has just become so important for us. And the more and more we've looked into the importance of sleep and getting the proper amount of recovery in order for your body to actually make the gains you want to make, right? As runners, we have goals. Whatever your goal may be, maybe you want to run a, a distance you know, that you've never run before. You want to run longer, faster, stronger. You want to just be fit and healthy for the rest of your life. Maybe you just want to feel good. Maybe you're trying to lose weight. Whatever goal you're working towards, if you don't have the proper recovery, you will have a much, much harder time achieving that goal. And you're definitely not going to feel as good in the process of achieving it. Right. So there's there's two aspects in striving towards the goal. And uh, one of the people, that, a couple of people whose books I've read and whose podcasts I listen to came up with this idea that's, that they refer to as the growth equation. It's uh, Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg. They, they literally have a podcast called The Growth Equation, um, which, which is a good one. Um, and the idea is that in order to grow and improve, specifically athletically, but really in all aspects, because the one guy trains like CEOs and executives and things like that also. So any growth requires an appropriate level of stress followed by an appropriate level of rest. Mm -hmm. If you don't stress your body, it doesn't matter how much recovery you do. You're just like, I don't know. I'm just going to recover my way to improvement. Like you can't (laughs) stay in bed all day long and be like, and I'm going to feel the physical improvements. Well, and you also can't just do easy stuff all the time either. Also true. Right? Like, yes, we, we talk all the time about the importance of easy running and the importance of not pushing hard all the time. And that is totally true. But you do need some amount of stress. If you don't challenge your body, your body's not going to change. You know, there's the old saying that you've heard a million times that who knows even where it came from, right? It's clearly Einstein. Probably Einstein or maybe Confucius. One of those two. When in doubt. Socrates, Plato. You never know. (laughs) Socrates. Like if, what is it? Now I'm not even going to be able to come up with it. Um, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you, Yes. right? So you need challenge in order for you to change. And any sort of improvement is change. So if you don't adequately challenge yourself, you're not going to improve. But on the other hand, without adequate recovery, you are also not going to improve. Because if you are just constantly challenging yourself and stressing yourself, you might get a couple short-term gains. And that's what a lot of new runners find, which is fantastic, right? They start going in the first couple of weeks, maybe even the first couple of months, you go out, you start running, you just keep increasing your time, your distance, the runs keep feeling better, and you keep seeing progress. And it's so like motivating and inspiring. So you might get those short-term gains, but long-term breakdown is, a you know, that's just on the horizon. Like if you keep challenging yourself and you keep getting going out there and pushing hard all the time without getting the amount of easy days and recovery days and sleep, you're definitely going to break down. You're probably going to get injured or burnt out or sick. And then you also will continuously fall short of your potential. Okay. So regardless, even if you're lucky enough not to get sick, burnt out or injured, you're not going to be reaching the level that you could if you had the proper recovery. 
Right, because instead of like two steps forward, one step back, you're getting the short-term gains of one step forward, but you tend to be following it with two steps back, maybe not even two one steps step back. One step forward, one step back. Right. One, one step forward, one step back. Like Two one... steps forward, one step back. One step forward, two steps back. It is sometimes it looks like you're progressing, but if you look at it over the course of months and and like a full year, mm -hmm. there's never an actual rise in that line. You're like you're not moving forward, and you may start actually slipping backwards. It's sort of like it's one step forward, one step back, but the step back is slightly larger than the step forward. Mm -hmm. You don't. You're like no, no, no. I'm I'm holding ground. No, you're not. You're slipping backwards, and you you can't even quite tell that you're slipping backwards. Right. So recovery and specifically sleep are absolutely critical and imperative if you want to improve in your life. And like we said, this definitely applies to your physical health, your running, all of that, but also your mental health and your brain and the way that your brain functions. There are so many physiological processes that happen during sleep. Sleep can help to improve your immune function. It can help you to build stronger muscles. It can improve your brain health. It can improve, it boosts your metabolism. It reduces stress. It helps you f have more energy. Like there are so many benefits of sleep. And without it, you're not like not only are you not getting those benefits, but you're actually moving in the opposite direction. Right, because sleep kind of just helps restore your body to its like set point. Totally, it's well, and even above your set point, like it changes your set point. Yes, but like it, it continuously boosts and improves your overall performance, but. It, during the day, your body swings all over the place as you start taking on various challenges and stresses and different things in your life. And sleep kind of just helps reset your body and mm -hmm. bring it back towards like calm. Yeah. And so when you shrink the amount of sleep, you don't get that time, that long enough time that your body can just bring itself back to a calm place. And it's from that place of calm where you can now actually gain your benefits. Like if you're all thrown out of homeostasis and you're always in this like stressful level, you're like, oh, no, no, I took a, I took a power nap. I'm going to feel recovered. You short term feel recovered, but you're not ever giving your body long enough time to completely go back to that like middle ground where it just feels safe and comfortable and then it can actually grow from there. You're just constantly stressing it over and over and over. Right. So we as runners love our devices, right? Like, yeah, we do. I mean, for most runners nowadays have some sort of smartwatch or app on their phone or something that tracks their runs. And now, you know, a lot of there's a lot of companies out there that are also trying to turn these smartwatches into sleep trackers or you know, there are other types of sleep trackers that that's all they do, right? Activity trackers, sleep trackers, and these sleep trackers are fantastic in a lot of ways, right? Because a lot of them, they'll let you know your total amount of sleep as well as the amount of light sleep or deep sleep or REM sleep. And it measures how much your body moves during the course of the night. It measures your heart rate over the course of the, the night too while you're sleeping so you can know your resting heart rate. Like, And all of these things are very valuable pieces of information that we can use to assess whether or not we're getting enough recovery, whether or not we're overtraining, whether or not like what's happening inside of our body. Right. They're all useful pieces of information as long as you find them useful. Like mm -hmm. an encyclopedia is a super useful piece of information, but not if I don't need to actually look up anything in it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just a whole lot of information. And sometimes having more information is really useful to you, but sometimes having more information is just having more information, which you don't necessarily need. The other aspect of it is 
is that information actually accurate? Mm -hmm. You know, how accurate are these devices? Even, you know, the companies themselves will come out and they'll tell you that the, the strap around your wrist that's reading your heart rate, like through the back of your wrist is not as accurate as the other device that they sell that includes a chest strap. If you're trying to record your heart rate, mm -hmm. like it's accurate, but it's not a hundred percent accurate. So if you're basing all of your decisions on a, on a piece of on a device that's giving you answers that are only sort of accurate, they're not necessarily the best decisions you're making. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also important to know and to notice in yourself what that information does to you, right? Like when you have more information, does it just like, does, is it actually useful, right? Are you actually using that information to make changes or to track and make sure things are going well? Or is it just confusing and overwhelming, right? Because for a lot of people, they have tons of information and they have no idea what any of it means. Yes. Yeah. Right? And the other thing that can happen too is people start getting obsessive about the data, right? And letting the data and the smart device, which sometimes I like to call dumb devices, right? Sure. Like dictate how that run went, how that night's sleep went. Like instead of just actually taking a step back and looking at your body and listening to your body and be like, am I actually tired? They look at this and they're like, oh my God, I got like no sleep last night. I only got one hour of deep sleep and light sleep and REM sleep and all this. And then they let that information dictate how they think they feel. And so we kind of get detached from our bodies in a very weird way. Like we stop trusting ourselves and trust the device instead. And I think that's where it becomes problematic. Yeah. Like I, I woke up and I felt amazing. I'm like, man, that must've been a really good night's sleep. And then I checked my, I synced my watch to my phone and then I checked my phone and it told me that actually my resting heart rate was super high overnight and that I only got 45 minutes of deep sleep. And so now I definitely do feel much more tired. Right. And it's the same thing as the placebo effect, right? Yes. It's the, there is a real effect in science called the placebo effect where just because people think they're getting a certain medication or think they're part of a certain group that's receiving an, an intervention, like in a clinical trial, they start to have those side effects or they start to have the positive side effects of whatever drug that is, even though they're only getting a sugar pill, you know? And so the same thing can happen. It's that brain body connection where if we think that something is a certain way, our body will, will literally start to feel that way. They have, in fact, done a pretty solid study on this. So they had people in the sleep trackers. Yeah. And then they just gave them results. As soon as they got up in the morning, they gave them re the results of their sleep tracker. And they had, it didn't matter what their results were. They always told the one group that they had good levels of sleep. Mm -hmm. And they always told the other group that they had poor levels of sleep. And then they had them perform different tasks, like different cognitive tasks. And they had them judge how difficult the tasks were. Mm -hmm. And the people that they told did not sleep as well, performed worse on the tasks, and said that the task was far more difficult. Yeah. Just because they were told that they should feel tired. It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's the power that our brain has over our body. And, the, and like more proof of that, right, is that when you start to become more aware of this and you start to learn the importance of sleep and the importance of recovery, and then you realize that you're not getting enough of it and you start to become a little obsessive about it, like you're like, oh, I really need to get more sleep. Well, many times when you think you need to get more sleep and you're so focused on needing new sleep and trying to get to sleep, it makes it more difficult to get to sleep in a lot of circumstances. Very, very much so. That was as another lesson that I've taken away from, uh, from these guys in their growth equation. They have two rules of sleep. One, 
do whatever you can to get as most the most amount of quality sleep. And rule number two, if you messed up rule number one, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry about it. You can't obsess about it. <laughs> so right. It's the worst thing you could do. Of course, because then you're just like, you're like, I'm trying to focus on sleep. I'm trying to fall asleep. I'm trying to fall asleep. And you just stay there and not fall asleep. Right. And then thinking about how bad it is for you that you're not falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Like, no, you just need to relax, which is why the trackers are useful if they bring you some general awareness to the situation. Yep. Like, oh, I actually didn't realize. I thought I was sleeping more than I than I was. Some people don't feel like waking up and doing math first thing in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I know I do because I'm odd that way. But some people are just like, yeah, no, I, I feel like I, I generally sleep like eight hours a night. And then they put a sleep tracker on turns out that they're just really bad at math and mm -hmm. they're sleeping like six hours a night you know that's something to bring awareness to but obsessing over your watch telling you that you slept for seven hours and 45 minutes where you were aiming for eight hours and now you need to freak out because you missed 15 minutes that's that's an issue yeah so sleep is the ultimate restoring factor it gives your body and your brain a complete mental and physical reset like when you go to sleep all of the activities of your day, anything you learn that day, any of the events that happen that day, basically your brain starts to filter through all of that and decide what should be you know, filed away into your long-term memory storage, what should be kind of discarded. And, you know, you've got short-term memory, long-term memory, and your brain goes through all of these processes at night. Um, the other thing that happens is that your body physically repairs itself, okay? So you basically have um, two states of the body that the body can be in. There is the catabolic state where the body is breaking itself down. So those kinds of things happen basically when you're awake, you know, when you're working out, you're actually breaking your body down. And then you have the anabolic state where your body's actually building back up. And that mostly happens at night or during recovery periods, but mostly at night, right? So when you're sleeping, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not giving your body the chance to make all of these physical gains and mental you know, brain gains and all of these things. One of the other reasons that these big benefits happen during sleep is because you're not taking in excess stuff. Like you point out the whole anabolic, catabolic during the day, your body is breaking itself down. Like you're taking in all of these stresses, whether it's exercise, there are various things that you're eating that are actually kind of breaking things down. Also, your body has to go through all this process. And at night, it doesn't have all that stimulus, like especially the mental aspect, like during the day, just by having your eyes open and being able to hear the amount of stimulation coming in is completely overwhelming. That's why your brain just shuts most of it out. At night, it's able to go back and reprocess all of this huge amount of stimulation that came in and decide which aspects of it were actually important. Because mm -hmm. if it tries to do it as you're going, you physically, well, you mentally couldn't get out of bed right. because there's just too much stimulation happening. Yeah, because your brain like filters out something like 95% of all yeah. stimulation that comes in on a daily basis, right? So there's no way around this. You, you can't replace sleep with anything else. You can't shortcut sleep with anything else. Like there are people out there that say like, oh, well, sleep hacks and this and that. Not really. You know, like you, there are ways for you to fall asleep quicker and more easily. There are ways for you to get better quality sleep, but nothing can replace your need for sleep. Your body needs sleep. There's no getting around it. You can literally die if you don't get enough sleep. Like there have been, you know, records of people who have been so sleep deprived that their body just shuts down. 
Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't hack this thing. Like you said, there are ways to improve the quality of your sleep. That's not a sleep hack. That's just improving the quality of your sleep. And that's a good one. You know, we've all heard the idea that you need like eight hours of sleep, which is true. You need that much sleep. It's kind of a bell curve. Like some people need a little bit more sleep. Some people need a little bit less sleep. Well, it also depends on your age too. You know, like when you're a kid, you need a lot more sleep than you do when you're an adult. And then also kind of in that curve, like you, you tend to need more rest when you're older as well. But in that middle age range, you don't need as much. I would argue that, um, as an athlete, that's kind of less, there's less of that difference, right? Cause as an athlete, when you are breaking yourself down and as a runner, you are an athlete, you do need more sleep, right? If you were just a regular sedentary individual, that's 40 years old and in that middle range of your life, that's one thing. But as an athlete, as a 40 year old runner, you're going to need a lot more sleep and recovery so that your body can repair and rebuild more so than a sedentary individual. Right. And we were kind of talking about this last night before, uh, before we, you know, we got to the point of recording where I'm like, well, it's a bell curve. Like there's the eight that's kind of in the middle. I mean, it's really like a seven to nine is roughly the middle mm-hmm. arguably. Yeah. Um, but then there are people who simply need more sleep and there are people who need less sleep. And you were like, well, there's not really a lot of people that need less sleep. But how many times have you had a conversation with a friend, an acquaintance, whatever, that was just like, I don't know, I actually do best on five hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Like I've met that person over and over again. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met the person that says, yeah, you know, I do best on 11 hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have. But the pro- <laughs> the issue is like, it, that's just, I think, a societal and cultural thing, right? It's like we're conditioned to be busy and to be productive and to be working and I'll sleep when I'm dead and like you know all of these sayings that people have like it's almost like a badge of honor to like not need as much sleep right so oh no no I do best on five no you don't I, I'm no you're, you're completely lying to yourself and you're gradually breaking your body down right it just hasn't caught up to you yet yeah I mean really that's it you know like when you're in your 20s can you sleep you know and survive on five absolutely I'm, I'm sure you can right you can work all day you can go out with your friends and party all night you get you wake up and you're fine like when you're in your 40s when you're in your 50s your 60s like you don't recover the same no and you're you're even in your 20s you're not optimizing your performance in any aspect of that absolutely like i i played that game like i did not die like i I did not have start having a series of seizures until later in life well and thank god you had your seizures where you did you know like that you weren't driving like you could have died like you know that that's the scariest thing like if you were in a pool on a roof in a car like there are so many other times that you could have had a seizure where it would have been so much worse and thank god you were in a safe place for all of those yes i know and for months afterwards you wouldn't let me on or near a ladder yeah and anytime he had a (laughs) headache i would like put pillows next to the bed i would make him sleep on the couch and i would put like the big gymnastics mat next to him just in case he fell off the couch like that was really awkward that one time (laughs) you really she had the uh the kids tumbling mat next to me on the couch sort of like a ramp so if i fell I would just slowly roll down the (laughs) ramp into like a giant pile of pillows she had created at the bottom. Actually, when when I did wake up from taking that nap, that's actually how I got off the couch, just because it looked like a whole heck of a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was close to buying like a bed rail for the side of the bed because I I was so nervous, but that, you know, I did not get that far. Thank you. Yes, I know. So anywho, back to the importance of recovery. It's, it's essential. And even if you think you don't need as much sleep, 
it's not true. You do need at least seven hours of sleep every night. Seven to nine hours is ideal. And even if you think you are just crushing life with less than seven hours, I would argue that you're probably going to be even more productive, even happier, feel even better if you got more sleep and give it a try. Um, okay, now let's talk about recovery after exercise. Okay, so we talked, you know, we started out the, the podcast with just global ideas of sleep and recovery and the need for that. Now let's talk about exercise specific recovery. All right, let's go back to a concept that we love to bring up again and again on this podcast, which is hard days must be followed by easy days. Easy days. Everybody loves the easy days. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sort of. Well, once Some you get fight back at them, once you get used to the easy days, you yes. love them, right? Like once you accept how powerful they are, how important they are, how lovely it is to go out and run easy. Yeah. Then you start to love them, right? But there, we do tend to get a, a decent amount of pushback when people are kind of new to this idea because they feel like I'm not doing enough because they're used to going out and pushing hard every day. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I had a huge amount of pushback to this myself, like I don't know, over a decade ago, where I was like. That pace doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like I'm going to be productive at that pace. And it took a lot of mental focus. Like, it didn't feel like an easy day because of the mental focus that I needed to bring to run at a pace that was slower than my quote-unquote normal easy pace. Yeah. Like, I had to really try and actively focus on slowing down, which a lot of people do. People are used to running at, like, a level four or five and saying, hey, bring it back to a level two. It's like, ooh, what does that even feel like? Right, and we get a lot of pushback from people that are like, well, I'm already a slow runner. How can I run even slower, right? And if that's you... Get out of that mentality. You're not a slow runner. You're just a runner. There's just a pace that you're running. And if you slow it down and maybe even take some walking breaks, you will actually improve faster than if you just keep pushing at that moderate pace all the time. All right. So let's go back to the starting point here is hard days need to be followed by easy days. Easy days don't even have to be running. They can be, but there's various options. It could be a full off day. There's active recovery. There's working on like a, just a different area of your body. So, you know, if you think about like people who lift weights all the time, they can lift heavy several days in a row because they just rotate areas of the body. So they're never stressing the same muscles. That gets a little trickier with running. You go run fast, you go run slow, you're predominantly still using the same major muscle groups Mm -hmm. regardless of your pace. It's just straining them a little bit less on an easy day. Yeah. And it's using them a little bit differently. Yeah. Right. But like, that's why it is important. And we'll say this again too, you need to be doing strength training, right? Like you need to do strength training as well. And so maybe for you, a, a off day for running could be a strength training day or a light strength training day or a yoga or mobility day, like those active recovery things or cross training that just isn't as pounding on the body. Those are all fantastic ways for you to take that easy day. The key is that it feels easy. Yeah. You know, you highlighted a lot of different things that fall under the umbrella of active recovery. Right. It's where you're not just sitting around not doing anything all day. You can be active, Mm -hmm. but active recovery is not another huge stress on the body. And it depends on you and your body 
you know, to define that, right? Like what, what I consider an active recovery day is not what Kevin considers an active recovery no, day and you, vice versa. Yeah. hundred percent. I was, you can go through like a wonderful, like flow yoga and you're sliding in and out of these positions. I am 30 seconds in and I'm in tears trying to get in and out of these sun salutation. I'm cursing at the sun during this thing. <laughs> it seems, does not seem like it's soothing at all to the body. You're not saluting the sun. <laughs> I'm not, that's, yeah. that's not how you're supposed ah, to salute I'm cramping it. again. <laughs> right? Oh, my like, hamstrings. Ah. So, you know, you have to know how your body responds to these things. And the more you do them, the better your body is going to get and the more your body is going to be able to adapt. You know, maybe at first you're able to do 10 minutes of yoga, you know, and then you can kind of stretch that out to do 30 minutes, an hour or whatnot. But if, you, if 30 minutes or an hour seems way too much, don't do that. You know, work your way up to it or choose something else or do a little bit of that plus a walk or plus a bike ride or something that's a little bit easier. Maybe you used to be a swimmer in high school and swimming is just like second nature to you and you could go out and do a nice relaxed leisurely swim and that that would feel awesome like for me that would be torture like because I am not a swimmer like I like to float I'm a floater when it comes to the pool the pool must be 84 degrees and then I will get on my raft and I will float that is how I like to enjoy the pool (laughs) swimming was the exact other one that I was going to bring up because running is such a an impact sport like the pounding on your body as you land on every single step so when you think cross training a lot of people try and come up with like the non-impact biking is pretty non-impact an elliptical an elliptic go swimming is a huge non-impact because you're literally not weight bearing you're in water Mm -hmm. you're like you're suspended up in water but if i try and swim down and back in the pool in our backyard i'm exhausted my shoulders are spent and like just playing with our kids, just a couple rounds of sharks and minnows, I can feel that the next day. That is not an active recovery. That's just active. Active period. That's active where the, period. That's, that's just where that one ends. Right. So another way that you can get some recovery after like a harder day would be a shorter run. Okay. Like a shorter, easier run of about 30 minutes because research has actually found that short runs of 30 minutes actually can cause a a small boost in HGH, which is human growth hormone. And like a lot of times I think as runners, especially those of us that are endurance runners or longer distances, um, like to take on, you know, half marathon, marathon, ultras, those kinds of things. I mean, I've, I've said it myself and I, my friends have said it like, you know, a run of 30 minutes or less isn't even worth getting up for, yep. right? Like that is like one mentality. I've, I've since gotten rid of that mentality, right? This is, you know, I've, I've learned a lot in my running journey, right? But um, a lot of times it's, you know, when you try to stretch out the time, when you try to go longer than that, the body is using different fuels, you know, even when the pace is very easy, right? So there's just different adaptations on the body. And no matter who you are or how easy you're going, if you're out there for an hour, 90 minutes, two hours, that's not easy on the body. Like you can be doing it as an, as an easy pace, at an easy pace, um, but that's not necessarily an easy run. No, two hours, regardless of the pace, is not an, an easy run. It's just not going to be an easy yeah. activity. Even if you're an ultra runner, like and if you're used to being out there for five, six, seven, eight hours plus, like two hours is still a lot of running. That's why a lot of ultra runners break their runs up into, they do multi-days. They do double days. You know, right. there's a, a well-known athlete that used to do triples mm-hmm. because then he could actually get in these 30 minute runs. So you'd go off on 
let's say for instance you're going to do a long run on a Saturday because there's not a lot of our, our audience I think that does a lot of doubles so let's say you do a long run on Saturday and you traditionally take Sunday off doing like a 20 to 30 minute easy easy run or maybe even a run walk is just enough stimulation to actually give this small boost in HGH that your body will recover even better than taking a full off day. Yeah. Now, if mentally wrapping your way or your head around even getting out the day after your long run, you're just like, no, 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 that is an off day. That is a couch day. I don't do much on that day. Then, then don't. Or maybe go for a walk. Start at that level and see how your body feels on Monday just by adding in the walk, by adding in some sort of activity during mm-hmm. that day to stimulate the body that it's actually going to then enhance your recovery. Right. Because, you know, if you go on a run that's longer than that 30 minutes, right? And and continue to use those different fuel sources like we had mentioned. When you dip into those fuel stores to just be out there for longer, even if you're going at an easy pace, you're taking up some of the nutrients that your body was going to use to repair the body. And so that lengthens the recovery time. You know, I think that that's an important thing to note because these shorter runs, like Kevin said, can kind of give you these hormone boosts that are really, really beneficial without tapping into some of those fuel sources and those stores that you have in your body so that it can actually accelerate your recovery time rather than lengthen it. Right. And that, that 30 minute is right around where your body is just like, okay, now I need to start finding some actual stores for up to that point. The amount of like glycogen essentially floating around in like free floating in muscles and floating through your bloodstream and stuff sort of floating through your bloodstream gets a little more complicated. Well, and that's why a lot of times when people um, run for weight loss, they say you have to run at least 20 or 30 minutes for your body to start tapping into your fat stores. Yes. Right? Like, and and that's what a lot of people, you know, they use it um, on the other side as a reason to go longer, right? But if you're trying to use it as a recovery run, now you can understand why you don't want to do that. Right, because you're literally not tapping into fat stores. That's the goal, is to keep the run short enough that you're not tapping into the fat stores so that it stimulates the hormones, but it doesn't actually deplete you from Mm -hmm. what you're from the goal. You got to picture the, you got to go on big picture goal, which is recovery from the day before that run. The purpose of that run is not to continue to build your, to to break the body down and get even stronger. The purpose of that is to recover from the day before. Right. So how are you going to most effectively do that? Yeah. And it might not be, Oh, I'll crush it for an hour. Mm -hmm. No, no, you're not. Take it, take it easy for 30 minutes. Take it easy for 30 minutes, stimulate some hormones, just kind of flush some stuff out of your legs. Cause that can, that's really helpful as well. And then call it a day, then sit on the couch if you want to. Right. But when we think about recovery following exercise, the other thing that we really need to keep in mind, especially after a longer run, or harder effort is nutrition, okay? Your nutrition is absolutely vital between your runs in order to provide the nutrients that your body needs to continue building that body to greater levels. When you exercise, you break the body down. In order to build the body back up during sleep and recovery, you need to give it the building blocks, okay? Those building blocks most of the time, like, well, not most of the time, building blocks for the body are protein, period. Yes, okay. Period, done. You need to replenish your carbohydrate stores. Carbohydrates are very important for us as runners. Like the glycogen that you store in your muscle, in your liver, liver, those need to be replenished after your longer runs too. But we need to also um, give our body the amount of protein that it needs because protein that those are the building blocks of your muscles, of your bones, of everything that, you know, in your body. 
Yeah, I mean, proteins essentially run everything that your body does. It's not just the building blocks of your body, but it's predominantly all of the chemicals that run the, the operation systems. The hormones and they're, everything. They're right. all your enzymes and hormones and everything. So all the activities taking place in your body are run by proteins. Plus you want to actually build the muscles back stronger from the workout that you just did. And I'm not saying that you need to go out and run and then chug a giant protein shake so that you, we can all get just huge and, and you know, yoked Jacked. as my, uh, yoked. Uh huh. That's, well, that's the new term. That's what my high school kids tell me. Okay. Um, well, that's not going to happen to you as a runner anyway. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like you need the protein. You, you're putting in so much work on the cardio side that you just really can't build that big bulk. It's, right. it's not really a fear going in here. Yeah. But your body still needs the proteins in order to build back your muscles, your joints, your tendons, your ligaments, all of the structures in your body need to be repaired after those harder, longer efforts. And you need protein in order to do that. Right. So that's, that's kind of the immediate post run fueling is making sure that you're replenishing some carbohydrate stores and then bringing enough protein. You also want to make sure that you've got that pre-run that you're able to get some carbohydrates in before you run, especially if you're going out for a longer effort, that you kind of top off the fuel stores beforehand. There's a lot of people that push, uh, you know, it's been going for years of train, train empty and then race full. So like, don't fuel yourself up before you go out for a run and try and train and see how the body adapts and how the fuel stores go in there. As a bigger picture on a long-term healthy view, Fuel yourself. Yeah. It's just especially, a healthier move. Especially as a woman. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, recent, more recent research that are showing more of the differences between males and females. And we as females really need to be very cognizant of our nutrition. And we actually need more protein than men do because of the way that our hormones are. Um, so it's very, very important for us to get protein in, especially after longer or harder efforts within 30 minutes of that workout. Now, there's a lot of people out there, and I've read so many articles on nutrition and that some say there's a magic window and some say there's no magic window and you just have to eat, you know, within one or two hours. But like some of the more recent things that I've been reading that I trust are saying that especially for women, it's very important to replenish your protein in that 30 minute window. You have longer to replenish your carbohydrates. Okay. But, but the way that the body is um, built and with our hormones and everything that's going on physiologically in the body after exercise, the sooner you can give your body the protein to start building back and repairing, the less recovery time you're going to need and the better your gains are going to be. I'm so glad that there's more research coming out in this because for the longest time, like all exercise physiology was just like, let's take this wide, diverse group of people. And by wide, diverse, I mean moderately fit group of 35 to 45 white men. Like that was, yeah. that was just the group that was always tested. Right. And so, you know, a lot more you know, research has been done on different groups. And so that is really important. So just keep that in mind. You know, they always used to push chocolate milk as the optimal recovery drink, the three to one ratio, all of these things. There is some nuance there, but what you need to remember is if you can get in protein within 30 minutes of exercise, about 20 to 30 grams of protein, that is going to help accelerate your recovery and give you the gains that you're looking for and then get those carbohydrates in within an hour or two. You know, I know some people don't really like to eat right after they run, but if you can, you know, 
put some protein in your body, it's going to help you recover quicker. It's just going to help you recover quicker. And, you know, as we all get a little bit older, recovery is, is slowing down in the first place. Right. So and we don't want to speed it. Totally. And we don't want to be taking all of these off days either, right? right? Like as runners and as athletes, we want to get out there because not only do we have the physical benefits of exercise, there's so many mental benefits, right? And so many of us love exercising on a daily basis. And so we don't want to have to take all of this recovery time because our bodies, you know, need it. But so what can we do to help accelerate it and still like, you know, some people like to call them hacks. I don't really like that. I just like to say, how can we optimize our recovery here? Right. So that kind of covers the like eating beforehand, making sure that you've got the fuel in eating afterwards, making sure that you're getting the the fuel in post run. But then there is kind of the bigger picture, like besides that window just before and after, and we're kind of going to skip over the whole fueling during, like, don't get me wrong. If you're going for long and hard, you need to put some fuel in during, but it's a whole deeper topic. There's also the bigger picture of eating. Like you can't just have a perfect pre and post run meal and then just ignore the rest of your eating throughout the day. Like that's not going to serve you as an overall healthy way of living. Like you need to make sure that what you're generally eating throughout the day is healthy food that you're taking into your body. Right. There's a lot of runners that like to run for the wine or run for the cake or run for the cookies. And, you know, those shirts are great and it's all in jest. But like, and it's totally fine to eat whatever you want as a runner. But I don't encourage people to eat or to run in order to earn their food. Like you shouldn't be like, oh, well, I can eat this cake because I went for a run or because I went for a run, I can now eat all the crap that I want. Like that's not the right mentality to have because your body still needs the right nutrients so it can build back stronger. Otherwise you're just going to feel crappy, you know, and you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. Right. And neither one of us are all about any sort of restrictive diet. Like that's really the opposite of what we've got. Like if you want to eat it, go ahead and eat it. You just have to realize how that's going to affect your body. And then maybe you'll make the choice of, okay, I would like to eat that. But that means that I'm not going to eat it the next day and the next day and the next day. Not because I'm restricting it, but because I know how that makes my body feel. Yeah. And sometimes I I enjoy the taste of that enough that I'm going to feel not ideal the next day. Or maybe my run the next day won't be great, but it's going to be an easy run or it's an off day. And so I'm going to have this thing. But if you got a hard workout, it's not that you're depriving yourself, but you're just sort of planning ahead. I don't think it's restrictive. It's just sort of looking at what your kind of your schedule looks like. Well, I mean, I think that you, you are allowed to restrict ourselves. Like you're allowed to restrict and make that a conscious choice. Like I don't want to eat that much, or I'm going to restrict the amount of whatever I'm going to put in. Like it's, it's not saying I can't have this. It's saying I'm choosing not to have this because I know that this is not what's best for my body. This is not what's going to make me feel good. And it's not being so obsessive about all of it that you're like limiting it and restricting it and not going out with your friends and family. Like that's where it becomes, a problem right like but it's it's just knowing your body and making conscious choices knowing what might be the result of those things right which kind of ties us back to this whole thing of just having some self-awareness yeah and knowing knowing your body understanding how different foods come into your body and how that feels to go back to the sleep understanding and honestly assessing how much sleep you need you know are you the kind of person that goes out there and goes no no no, i'm crushing life at five hours of sleep but you know that you're lying. Like actually pause for a second and be like, okay, how do I actually feel? Am I feel, do I feel like I'm performing at my optimum? Because you, 
you can put all these devices on your wrist and there's a ring that does it and other and there's apps on your phone that you can track things but if you have an honest assessment of like how do i really feel today start getting in tune with your body that's a really useful skill to have also yeah for sure so like we started with at the beginning of the episode these devices are fantastic but listening to your body understanding your body being in tune with your body is so much more important right like you know when you're tired like learn how to trust yourself again don't depend on some external device to give you that information if you like the devices we love the devices you know i i love metrics i love using metrics but sometimes those metrics can be detrimental like and when that happens maybe just take a take a step back, right? Like reevaluate, reassess, maybe take some time off using those metrics. Like it's the same thing with like the scale and weighing yourself. You know, sometimes it's it's helpful to people to kind of keep an eye on that. For other people, it makes them more obsessive. Like know your personality, know what these numbers kind of do to you and know what you're making those numbers mean. I think that that is the key here too, is like numbers are great. They give you information, but what are you allowing those numbers to mean and how are you allowing those numbers to make you feel? Yeah, you make a really good point there. I mean, the same way that we talk about you're not defined by the number on a finish and a finishing clock, like you're not necessarily defined by any of these numbers. Like right. those numbers don't have to make you feel a certain way. And if you're feeling up or down based off the numbers, if you're taking great pride and showing off to anybody else because of what various numbers on various devices are saying, you might want to take a step back and try and figure out why you're so connected to what those numbers are. The other thing is, if you don't know the benefit of those numbers, because this is what so many of the companies are, oh, we can track this, that, and the other thing. Like, okay, but if you don't actually know whether they're beneficial, you know, just because they're tracking your, one of the things on my watch, it tracks my highest heart rate every day. Mm-hmm. Like what was my peak heart rate during that day? Yeah. I don't know what the benefit of knowing that number is. Well, I mean, there is benefit, but if you don't know it. But I don't know what the right. benefit of that is to my overall, I know how to track my resting heart rate. I can look at the, the peak from one day to the next and be like, oh, I went on a hard workout that day. Oh, I did not go on a hard workout on that day. Oh, I didn't even run on that day. I can kind of like spot that. But I don't know like the nuance of the number. I'm not sure if there is of like, oh, on that day I hit 180, but on that day I only hit 175 mm-hmm. of whether I should feel good, bad, or the other. Right. These devices track so many things. If you don't know the point of the numbers, it's making you feel good or bad for no reason at all. Well, it's just based on your thoughts about them. Right. Right. So if you think that that's a good number, then you're going to feel good about it. And if you think <laughs> it's a bad number, then you're going to feel bad about it. So just decide how much you're going to, how much credibility and how much um, weight you are going to give to those numbers. I think that that's really the important takeaway from this episode. So that's what we have for you guys today. We know that it's helpful because sleep is absolutely critical and we cannot say it enough times. You cannot hear it enough times. If you are one of those people that kind of tries to neglect your sleep, stop doing that. You can make so many more gains. You can be faster. You can lose weight. You can boost your metabolism. You can improve your health and your vitality and your immune system and all of the things if you get more sleep, okay? So make sleep and recovery a priority in your life if you want to get the results in your health that you're looking for. So as always, thank you for spending this time with us. 
please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends. You can screenshot it and share it to social media. Tell us your takeaways um, on our Instagram post. We put a, a post every week on Instagram and Facebook with the updated podcast of the week. We would love to hear your thoughts, your takeaways. Be sure to tag us and let us know. As always, thanks for spending this time with us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 207. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.